This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. Hawkins. I freely admit that on The Antidote, I play my favorites, and that song has got to be near the top of the list. Tough as John Jacobs from Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Since the band's one of my favorites, uh, no question that I wanted to meet up with the band frontman and founder Dallas Taylor. So when the band played a date uh, late this fall at Toronto's Hard Luck, I finally had my chance. So Dallas was really cool about spending some time talking about the history of the band and what's coming up in the future. And I'm hoping that you've heard this band before, because Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, because if you haven't, then you don't have to admit that you've spent your whole life living under a rock. <laughs> but if you're a newbie to the band, now's your chance to find out what true Southern hard rock is all about. 
So here's a song for one of our long-distance but regular listeners, Justin Davis of New Jersey. Bang, The Witch is Dead from Maylene's first album and the start of our conversation with Dallas Taylor. Sons of Disaster on tour, and the antidote is here with the man himself, Dallas Taylor. Dallas, thanks for hooking up with us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Tonight you're playing Toronto with He Is Legend, but you guys always seem to be on the road. How many dates do you do a year? Uh, we've been slowing up a little bit, um, just looking for new labels and stuff, but uh, we were doing, you know, 10 months a year. The past few years we've slowed up to only doing, you know, two or three months, you know, and, and working things, but that's just because we were going through some... Uh, not happy with our old label, so we stopped touring until they would drop, finally drop us, and then uh, and now we're looking at new labels and starting to tour a lot, of, touring more again. So that's the end of you and Ferret. Well, yeah, and Ferret got bought out by Warner, so it was Warner ILG. Okay. So we got put into that, and then ILG folded, and it's just all the you know those majors. They just your A and R person's one day is one name, and then the next day it's someone else, the completely you know different person that knows nothing about your band. So it's. You can never get comfortable with working with someone there because you don't know how long they'll be there. So, but you're not going to go the independent route. You're going to stick with a label. Yeah, we'll go with a label. Um, we've been talking with a few labels, so we're just trying to figure it all out. What's best for us? We're talking with them. Um, uh, we part ways with our manager and our business manager and um, label. So now we're talking to new managers and trying to just figure out what's best for us this time. 
Let's go back to the past. I mean, when Maylene and the Sons of Disaster began, you surprised a lot of people, you know, with your sound. I think you didn't fit that typical one genre scenario. So you're sort of blending metal, hard, and southern rock all in the one. But were there many influences that really drove you? Um, I guess old country a lot. Um, big into, yeah, old um, country music and classic rock and... I guess we wanted to take that and make it into something heavier and fun, but yeah, uh, from Marshall Tucker Band, Leonard Skinner, to Willie Nelson, George Jones, uh, to even, you know, heavier music and heavy metal, but uh, yeah, I tried to throw in a lot of our roots of what I grew up and I tried to run from. When I was younger, I hated country music, and then the older I got, I started liking it, so when we started Maylene, kind of wanted to go back to our roots that we kind of ran away from, and I started getting, uh, you know... 20 or whatever I was like uh, and then you know get around 24 and 25 and then you're like well that stuff is actually really good I wish I would have cherished it more you know when I was younger
if, if we do a bit of an album retrospective? Yeah, for sure. We're going to head way back to your self-titled number one yeah. release, you know, back in 2005. So, you know, at that point, everybody knew Dallas Taylor as a vocalist from Under Oath. But you think Under Oath fans were thinking that Maylene was just going to be a clone band? I think so. And we came out the most opposite of what Under Oath was, that it threw people for a loop. I think that they were just like, he's he's not trying to... Because with me, I didn't want to jump on a bandwagon and trying to compete with a band I used to be in or try to take their fans. I wanted to do something completely different, something that I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was in Under Oath, it was fun, and it was a band I started, but it never was me just being free where I could just be myself and not care what people thought of me you know I think in Under Earth I cared a lot of what people thought and I kind of ran for my country roots I guess and with Maylene I just stopped caring you know it's like uh, just wanted to be you know it didn't matter we had no limits you know if we wrote a goofy song to a and we first started we didn't take it seriously we just took it as fun you know it was just some guys getting together having fun and it caught on but uh that's what was cool about Maylene is we kind of stuck with that is never trying to take it too serious where we uh you know we, we just try to you know have fun and, and uh have fun with life you know and and uh not try to i don't know uh take it so serious where it stops being fun but it's still fun now it is later. yes yeah it gets hard at times definitely but it is still fun yeah
Sons of Disaster, you dropped the mono versus stereo label to head over to Ferret. Yeah. But was that simply a business decision, or was there more to it than that? It was, um, they were just, you know, I think they were able to do more with us as a band and, and take, you know, get us out there in different places that, mo- we love mono versus stereo, and, uh, but I think, you know, Ferret was more of a, uh, you know, better connections and more of a, to branch out in different areas. So that's why we felt Ferret was the best choice for us. And uh, in between the second and the third record, that's when Ferret got bought out by ILG, which we didn't want to be a part of, but it was kind of, we had already recorded the third record. So it was like, either you sign with us or we're not going to push your third record. So it was one of those deals. But I mean, really, number two, that was mind-boggling. I mean, that just blew everybody away with tracks like Memories of the Dry the River. But, so you guys didn't form the sophomore slump. That's what every band worries about. Yeah, that's one of my favorite records still uh, that we have, I think, is the second record. I, I love that one. It's uh, That one was a lot of fun to make and uh, real carefree. So what do you think it was about 2 that just grabbed everybody? Um, you know, I think it was the innocence of just having fun and writing music. The first you know, the first record was us, you know, new, getting used to playing with the other, each other. The second record was just, you know, carefree. We didn't care, you know. Nothing was out there or too weird or too off in space, you know. We kind of just had fun with it, and uh, we didn't care. And uh, that's what I think grabbed everyone, because the third record, we started trying to be more structured or more, we had more of a vision. And, and I think it's a great record, and I love it, but it was, I think, for the old people, it kind of threw them for the loop because it was a little bit too um, straightforward. Do you think it's a problem being structured? No, not at all. I think for our fans, I think they like that off-the-cuff, uh, kind of just, you know, guitar-driven. And the third record was. I love the third record, too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I think it was just, I think that the second record was just like, you know, no cares, you know, just have fun. And then the, the third record, I mean, the second record, the third record was more, um, it was more um, focused and a lot more pressure on us, I think. And, uh, and I love it, but, you know, I think it was... Um, not as care, you know, there's a lot more pressure on us and not as carefree as the second record. I'm Dallas Taylor of Mailing the Sons of Disaster, and you're tuned into The Antidote with Dave Hawkins.
That was Dry the River from Maylene and the Sons of Disasters, album simply titled Two. And here's another one from that album, Darkest of Kin. content what's your lyrical emphasis when you're doing an album a lot of it's just stuff i go through personally i write about mainly and even if i tell stories uh, uh even when i do tell stories it's things i've gone through personally that i relate to a story so it might be that a complete out there um story or you know you know something that's you know made about mother maylene and her sons but actually there's points to every song that relate to me personally uh so I write a lot about just personal things, that struggles I go through in life or whatever, and try to relate to people, you know. And There's got to be some people that are not aware of where the name comes from. So you got to explain it. Um, it's based off of um, a lady in the 1930s. Her name was Ma Barker, and she had uh, her sons. They went around robbing banks and uh, and um, would kill whatever, you know. And uh, so I was always fascinated because she was gunned down in my town where I grew up in Florida, mm. Ocala, Florida, right outside of it. And um, so it always fascinated because I would go to these reenactments as a kid, eat cotton candy and watch her get shot up. Uh, it's just a weird, kind of weird thing that would happen. You know, it's like, it's kind of bizarre. But uh, so when we started the band, it's kind of based off of that. But it's like divine justice. You know, like we, ha- we, live, we have one chance in this life and how you treat others and do things, it'll come back around on you. You know, if you treat people bad, it's going to come back down on you. And uh, if you treat people good, uh, you know, it's, it's just that whole what goes around comes around. And, and her life... Every one of her sons was shot and killed, even at different points in life. So her and her youngest son were shot and killed in my hometown. Another one was shot and killed trying to escape Alcatraz. Another one 
was shot and killed by his wife. So it's like kind of weird how it all, you know, it's like divine justice. You know, they got what was coming to them because like, they went around hurting people and they kind of, you know, got what was coming to them. That's kind of how we, our band's based off of it. It's just, you know, you live life once and what you do in this life you know, is, is what matters and treat people well and, and be there for people. to their typical sound with Step Up, I'm On It.
was the one that shocked everybody. And that shocked, I think, us to an extent, too. I mean, I'm a long-term fan, so I gotta admit, I was surprised by the lighter musical vibe and really the heavy lyrics on for. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, seriously, it's ended up being one of my favorites. From yeah, the and for the problem, uh, the four we love, but um, it was the first time going with a new producer, and uh, he does mainly rock stuff, so, like, the, the heavy side that we've had before, really, we didn't come out as much because it was, I think it was more of pressure from the label and um, management to do something different mm-hmm. that it ended up being too, uh, some songs, you know, too contrived and too, it was rushed. Uh, that record was really rushed, I think, for us. Um, I love it, and lyrically, it's my, one of my favorite records, but um, uh, I wish it would have been just more edgier as a record, more... More guitar, you know, riffs, more heavy um, out there, you know, just whatever felt right in the vocals, you know. And uh, so uh, this new record, you know, we're going to kind of, you know, when we get ready to write, we're going to really just do what we want to do, you know, and, and not feel like we're put into a bubble where, you know, it's like you have to do this or you have to go with this person or you have to yeah. um, have, you know, we need a single for radio and we have to have this, you know, it's... it's uh, we have we need a single for radio, but then we're not even going to push it to radio. That's that was our problem last record. You know, it was like what and, too much radio. Well, they wanted a single and they wanted they wanted bigger songs. They they kept saying bigger songs, and so uh, that's what kind of ended up coming out. And a lot of pressure was on the producer too, as with us. And uh, they never lived up to their side of the bargain. And then when it's time for the single, we the song that we didn't even want to make the record, supposed to be a B side, ended up being our single. And so we're like, we don't even open your eyes. You're like, it's a good song, but we don't want it as a single. We wanted uh, a song called Save Me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we fought with the label, and uh, they finally just kind of picked whatever they wanted, and that was Open Your Eyes. And so it was a real discouraging thing to us. Um, the whole the whole process was really discouraging. So that must have been a huge eye opener for you, though, in your association with Ferret. Then. Well, yeah, and Ferret was no longer. It was Warner, oh, you yeah, know. Right. And right before the record came out, they fired our A and R guy two weeks before our record came out right before the holidays so it was just a, a lot of stuff that just did not go over well you know with us and it wasn't really Warner it was just a division you know some people we worked with but uh, you know I'm sure Warner's great it was just you know the division we worked with and you know our main people that we worked with were awesome but uh, it was just some of the, the powers that be uh, they have a lot of bigger bands they could push and we were just one that was kind of thrown in with it all and you're fighting for, uh, for um, attention I guess yeah Maybe I'm spending too much time talking about four. No, no, no. But really, but you you vented on Facebook about some of the responses you were getting from people. Yeah, it well, was pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, lyrically, you know, it meant a lot to me. But um, at the time, you know, like it should have been more edgier and things like that. And we look back at that and see. But I still, am, I'm happy with that record. And uh, you know, I, I never look back and say I regret making a record. I mean, you know, I wish things could have been different. But that's part of growing and part of life. And what came out of four, I think, helped me grow a lot as a person. Um, the process from that to label to everything. But, uh, yeah, and, and fans are just so quick, or people are so quick to just want something to start drama over. It's kind of funny.
almost difficult for a band because fans almost want to sandwich you into one specific yep. mode. But then realistically, you want to progress. And of course, if you just did the same album again, everybody say, oh, yeah, well, it's just the same exactly. as the previous. So you're always going to get some people that, yeah, there's some people, they just, that's what they love, you know? It's, it's to be anti everything, but they still are taking the time to go on your pages or, you know, on, online or whatever to talk. So it's like, well, you're still looking the stuff up. So yeah. you're just wanting something to talk about. But some days you do just want to say, shut up, yeah. go, go away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, you brought up the plane. Five, I thought this was just rumor mill running on the internet, but it's... No, we did There, I'm labeling it already. Is yeah. it going to be this five? We don't know what the name will be. Um, people have asked us to be five, but we're just working. You know, we're just trying to find a, a right label, and, you know, they're wanting demos. and um, So we're trying to find a, a studio, you know, the right studio to do the demos and everything. Because the labels we're talking to, you know, it's like they just don't want basic demos. And we're talking with a bunch of people, but... Uh, we just want to make sure it's something that's you know impressive, and we've kind of, I think, from being burnt from the last record, we've kind of just taken a step back and we was able to breathe um, away from a band for a minute. You know, that's why we didn't tour as much, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we all started doing different little side things here and there, and uh, and now we're coming back, and it's it's amazing, full, you know, coming back at it full force, and it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, so say if you weren't doing Maylene, what would you do? Um. The, well, the past year I started uh, getting into acting a good bit, and I've been doing that um, pretty consistently the past year. That and just being at home, and I don't know, for hobbies, I love cooking and just hanging out at home. But uh, yeah, uh, but for a job, you know, I got into acting a good bit, and I always fall back on. I have friends that run a construction company, so I'll do that. I can never. I'm not one of those guys that can sit at home and just sit around. Like if I'm mm-hmm. home, I don't care if it's for a week. I need to find something to do rather than just sit around or. So acting, that covers a lot of ground. So yeah. are we talking film, are we talking television, are we talking um, stage? Film, mainly film and television. Um, and uh, I've done some music videos for other bands, but uh, mainly uh, film and television uh, is what I've done uh, the past year. And I've gotten some agents, and uh, and I, a lot with acting I've learned is it's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of auditioning, a lot of rejection. But I like it is because it makes you a stronger person every time and a stronger actor. Mm-hmm. But I audition, you know, a lot. And, I, and they say you're good if you, you know, can land one out of 20, I think, or gigs or whatever, auditions. And I've been doing about one out of seven or eight, so I feel really blessed. Uh, it's a hard thing, though. And, you know, I, with my look, I'm kind of pigeonholed, but I, I don't mind it. You know, character actor, you know, uh, always a bad guy or some Civil War thing or something. So, But uh, I like, you know, it's, it's consistent work, you know, with, you know, if I was a clean face so just playing the bad guy just fit in with Maylene in the sense of disaster? I think it's easier to go to that. It's, it's easier to play a crazy bad person or out there, you know, so definitely. Like, like, um, my girlfriend always laughs at me because I'm like the complete opposite, and she's like, you're not, you know, you're not tough, you know, you're not scared at all. And even on film, you know, I look a lot bigger, I think, than people think, and they mean, like, you're not a big guy at all, you're kind of tight. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. It's kind of funny. But, but you're tough. On, on film, I can look tough, and I can look like I'm like the head of a bike gang or whatever you know uh, it's kind of funny but that's what I like about acting a lot is it's able to do things that you you know you can break into characters and I like the the harder parts that really challenge me as a as an actor uh, even with music you know I like things that challenge uh, that aren't the norm you know that make you have to step out of your box
come for you from four by mailing in the Sons of Disaster. I'm more than happy that Dallas spoke about the band recording a new album because their last one released in 2011, and that makes me way overdue for some new Southern hardcore. Now, you can keep up to date with Mailing and the Sons of Disaster through their Facebook site. And, of course, you can also keep up to date with The Antidote at theantidoteradio.com. Next Wednesday, we go to the land down under and meet with Australia's Prepared Like a Bride. We'll talk about their music with lead vocalist and a really cool guy, Ryan Bowles. We're going to finish this episode of The Antidote with a goodbye to another awesome guy, Dallas Taylor, and the ballad Drought of 85. And we'll see you next week. Dallas, does the band ever get tired of being referred to as Napsod instead uh, of Maylene in the Sons of Disaster? Sometimes, it's funny because people sometimes will uh, think, call us Mastodon. Uh, <laughs> I think we're always Mastodon, and that's kind of funny because it's, you know, but... Uh, Nah, we like a brief band. All our stuff, all our cases say Matt side. People are always like, Mastodon? I was like, no, Matt side. So that's kind of fun. Mastodon, totally different stuff. Yeah, yeah, great band, to- though. Amazing band. Dallas Taylor of Maylene and the Sons of Disaster has been with The Antidote. Dallas, thanks, man, for joining with us. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks, for everyone, for uh, checking this out. Yeah.